This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Wow, this is really happening. Gardner Minshew is now an eagle. I can't believe this. Someone mentioned about him being the Eagles' backup quarterback after watching like a a play of him on Twitter somewhere. And I was like, eh, I could see it, but I didn't think it would happen this year. I thought maybe next year, maybe distant future. Oh, no, it's happening right now. And speaking of something that's happening right now, St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Francis, and it looked like St. Thomas Aquinas is going to run away with this. And now St. Francis just reeled off a long run, like like a 50, 60-yard run. My man was gone. Uh, St. Francis got somebody on their team committed to OU uh, number eight. Forgot his name, but I guess we'll know him soon enough. <laughs> if, if he ball out. If he ball out for my Sooners, we'll get to know him soon enough. Anyway, man, back to the Eagles. I'm just wondering. Okay, Mullins is gone, obviously. We just traded for Gardner Minshew. Mullins is gone. They've seen enough. He's gone. Or he's going to the practice squad. I don't know. I don't know. Joe Flacco hasn't been that impressive. I don't know if who's going to be, or is Mullins gone already? Because I just read something that said Minshew is the third quarterback behind Flacco and Hurts. I assume since Joe Flacco knows the offense already, has been working with the team, that Gardner Minshew is the third string quarterback. That's fine. So he's not going to play this year, most likely, unless he picks up the offense pretty fast and outperforms Joe Flacco. Or if Jalen Hurts sucks. Like, then he'll see the field. Other than that, I don't think Gardner Minshew is going to see the field. But it definitely adds depth to the Eagles quarterback room, which we might need. I believe in Jalen Hurts, and I think he's going to do well, even though he has a problem with turnovers. Um, I think he's going to do well. And I think he's going to start. I'm ambitious. I think he's going to start 16 games, all 16 games. Now, whether or not, no, no, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll at least, bare minimum, win six games. That's the minimum. I think the Eagles will win nine, even ten. I think ten is their ceiling. I, I want to keep it real. Ten is their ceiling. But, I mean, they can win six to ten games. They They got a team that can do that. They got a team that can do that for real. Shout out to St. Francis scoring on St. Thomas Aquinas. By the time you listen to this, the game will be over. I think, but the way the way the game been going, I think St. Thomas Aquinas is going to end up winning. Those are two big national powerhouses. They're not just regional powerhouses. They're national powerhouses. So that's high school football if you don't know what I'm talking about with those two teams. But, yeah, the Eagles traded for Gardner Minshew, who um, was the backup quarterback in Jacksonville until, like, today. (laughs) So now it's definitely the Trevor Lawrence show. I don't know who's behind Trevor Lawrence now. It doesn't even matter because it's his show, and the only thing that can stop him is injury. It's a wrap. 
See, I'm looking at this. See, I'm 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 going back and forth between the high school game and the Eagles making this trade. I just saw this stat between 2006 and 2022. St. Francis Academy has 18 players in the top 300. And St. Francis Academy had all 18 players since 2019. St. Thomas Aquinas second on that list. I think they had like 38. Like this is a big time matchup. Like these guys are powerhouses. And I'm gonna be real with you. That's interference. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you. Um, I think both of those teams would beat our WCAC powerhouses like the Math of Good Council, Gonzaga, St. John's. They they can beat these guys. These two, they can beat these guys. I don't think anyone wants to see Matter Day, who they beat Duncanville, Texas. Duncanville is like the second or best team in Texas, and Matter Day just destroyed them. Remember, I went to L.A. and saw St. John Bosco, who was on that level of Matter Day as well. I saw a good counsel go out there and get smacked. And they end up winning WCAC. So, it ain't a game out there. Them guys for real. And Relique Br- Brown? Oh, my God. I can't wait till he get to Norman. That guy's fast. It looked like he got track speed. If that's the case, if that's the case, it's over. It's a wrap. You won't stop our offense. Him, Caleb Williams, all these four and five star receivers? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. It is over. It is a wrap. All right, moving on. Okay, concluding my thoughts on the Eagles. I think they'll be fine. They'll be fine regardless. This move is interesting. This move is interesting. I mean, to be honest, after watching Mullins and Falco the last two games, you might as well. (laughs) You might as well. You might as well strengthen our QB room. Just in case something happens to Hurts, we need to be protected, especially with because Hertz is a running quarterback and takes a lot of hits. Oh my God, St. Francis picked off the ball. Oh, they back in this. Oh, they for real. They back in this. Anyway, the Washington Nationals. So the new guys are doing all right. So a few guys I haven't talked about: Lane Thomas, who we got. That that's looking like a steal. We gave away pretty much. John Lester, who wasn't very good this year. We gave away John Lester for a young outfielder named Lane Thomas, and he's not doing bad. You know what I'm saying? He's he's in the lineup. He's playing all right. I take him. That's He's young, and he might turn into something. We got Riley Adams from the Blue Jays for Brad Hand, and you saw Brad Hand at Nats Park. How we destroyed Brad Hand. He gave up four runs in one inning. And now we got Riley Adams who destroyed the Blue Jays. He killed them. He had multiple hits. He had multiple extra base hits. He even hit a home run or two. Like it's, it, I'm telling you, that was another great pick. He's a young catcher that we have. That looked like he's going to be something special. Along with Tres Barrera and Kaybird Ruiz. 
Kbert Ruiz, oh my God. He had two multi-home run games in a row against Syracuse. Syracuse used to be our uh, AAA affiliate. I think they were our AAA affiliate like five, six years ago. And then we moved to Fresno, and then we moved to Rochester. But Caber Ruiz killed Syracuse. And now it just got us. We got him from the Dodgers trade for Scherzer and Turner. I was like, these young guys aren't bad. And then, you know, in addition to that, Josiah Two-Tone Gray. Two more runs. He gave up two more runs against the Marlins. But it's okay, though, man. Was that the game we won? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the game we won. But here's the thing. We just starting anybody at this point. <laughs> our rotation, our rotation is Josiah Gray, Patrick Corbin, Paolo Espino, Eric Fetty, Joe Ross is out for the season, and then someone comes off the bullpen, and then that's it. Oh my God. St. Francis went for it on fourth down and scored, and now it's 14-14, just like that. <laughs> wow. Anyway, I keep going in and out. But for real, though, Guerra was DFA'd after being horrendous against, I think it was the Brewers. He gave up like five runs. I think, was he the one that gave up that grand slam to Yelich? Or maybe it was the Marlins game he sucked. It don't matter. He's gone. He, he, he's gone. You can't be that trash. We're already bad enough. You can't be that trash and stay on the Nationals. Uh, Klobuch sits the other 6-7 guy. The other 6-7 uh, reliever we have. Remember I made that joke about him and Mason Thompson starting a basketball team? <laughs> well, he got sent down to AAA. Because we got Austin both back. But Wolf is coming off the bullpen. Like, at one point, he was a starter. I don't know what we're doing as far as pitching, but they're keeping it together. I see I see what they're doing. I see what they're doing. They're winning the opening game of every series and going from there. <laughs> they beat the Marlins in the opening game series. To continue their losing streak, the Marlins had like an eight-game losing streak. It looked like we were going to make it nine. But we choked. We choked. We let them tie it up. And then in extra innings, my man um, Keyboom got called out at the plate. He got caught at the plate. I was like, when I heard it on the radio, I was like, yes, please, please. When I heard Charlie Slows hesitate, I was like, they caught him. I, they must have caught him. And they caught him, and we did not recover. The Marlins scored. And I'm like, God. So we split with them there. So we split the series with the Marlins. They won game three because Corbin decides to give up six runs in the second inning. I don't know. Corbin is very up and down, very up and down. And he's our so-called ace right now. Tough times, tough times. But I guess we got to be patient. We got to be patient. <laughs> Uh, we did win yesterday against the Mets, and Mets fans, Mets fans were sick because they know we're trash. So they are depressed. It was like, damn, bro, we lost again? Lost again? Man, they lost four in a row. 
And you know what I saw? You know what meme I saw when I was looking at the Mets Twitter and all the responses? It said, if nobody got me, I know Paolo got me. Let me repeat that again. I said, if nobody got me, I know Paolo got me. No, I haven't spoke very highly of the Nats pitching staff. I mean, you literally just heard me trash them not too long ago. But Paolo Espino against the Mets on Friday. Five innings pitch, three hits allowed, one earned run, seven strikeouts. Gave up one BS home run. But other than that, spectacular. And then send us home with a dub. Nats win 2-1. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, judging by how the Nats been, the Nats been playing, judging by this current version of the Nats, most likely they're going to lose the next two games. Most likely. Most likely. And you know what I'm saying? Uh, and this was a night where Juan Soto was 0 for 4. And he didn't even walk. He didn't do nothing. He didn't do nothing. But he did get a oh okay he did get a RBI and Josh Bell came through once again, killing them, we killing them. I we'll probably lose the next two games, bro. I'm not even gonna front. It's just a shame, bro, because I love beating up on the Mets, and I'll probably go to the Labor Day game on September 5th. I cannot wait. I just cannot wait. That's gonna be fire. Hopefully, we win that game. That's most likely the last Nationals game I go to. I'm debating whether or not I should go to the Red Sox series, which is literally the last weekend of the, of the season. We ain't making the playoffs. You already know. But I can go see that. Maybe, you know, see Kyle Schwarber once again. I don't know who the Red Sox are going to play. But looking at the standings, um, it looks like they won't be resting their starters. It looks like they might have something to play for. So we might have something here. Hey, I, I'm interested in going. I know them ticket prices are going to be higher than normal because the Red Sox are a big name. So we'll see what happens. Their fans are going to be lit. Oh, and, and by the way, the Marlins beating us a few nights ago. So it ended an eight-game losing streak. On the same day, the Orioles ended their 18-game losing streak. And I'm heated because I saw this game on the schedule months ago when I was looking at games to go to I was like when does the Angels come to Baltimore because I was like they got to because they're in the AL I saw that they was coming August 25th and 26th I was like okay maybe I'll go maybe I'll go I got enough time I got money I can uh the tickets weren't that much they were 30 bucks to see Shohei Otani 30 bucks and I kind of procrastinated, procrastinated, loafed, fooled around. You know, my, my schedule filled up, my money got short, and then I just didn't go. I didn't go, and it seemed like that was the one to go to because the Orioles ended their losing streak. They ended their losing streak. Shohei Otani gave up some runs and some home runs. He was pitching. I would have loved to see that. And then the next day, and also all the, not all of them, but it seemed like half of the 106.7, the ghetto uh, radio personalities and 
um, producers, it seemed like they, a lot of them were at the game. I wish I would have went there and met some of them. Because they, they had the same mindset I did. I was like, they was like, oh, we got to see the show. They know Shohei Otani is one of a kind. And we're not going to see many baseball players like this. And he was pitching. That was the game to go to. That was definitely the game to go to. I was right. But I just didn't make the move. I ended up doing lift. I didn't even make that much doing lift. But it is what it is, man. It is what it is. I missed out. The Orioles won. They ended their losing streak. And then they followed up the next day. And they destroyed the Angels 13-1. to Shohei Otani hit a home run. I would have enjoyed seeing that. I would have went crazy. I'm sure a lot of people did go crazy, but the Orioles, the Orioles canceled the show. The Orioles canceled the show like they were ESPN executives. They killed it. Props to them. And then the Marlins, they did the same thing. Ended their losing streak, then came back and won more comfortably the next game. Props to those guys for finally playing some baseball. Like I thought the Nats were doing. Thought they were playing some baseball, you know, and then they lose the series against the Brewers and the Marlins. And now I expect them to lose against the Mets. If they beat the Mets, just LOL Mets. You guys are hilarious. You still kind of have something to play for. But you loathe it. And you're hilarious. Like the Washington sitcom. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, the Nats, I guess I can be encouraged by all the young talent we have. Oh, St. Francis didn't get this fourth down. I don't know what the heck they were doing. They were loafing. Looks like we got a good game over there, St. Thomas Aquinas and uh, St. Francis. Hopefully, hopefully by the time you hear this, it ends up being an instant classic, and I end up discussing more of it in the next show. But, hey, props to the Orioles and Marlins for ending the losing streak, even though it was it was at the expense of my beloved Nationals and one of the most exciting players in the league, uh, Shohei Otani. I think that's going to be a much tougher ticket next year because I expect them to not only have Shohei Otani, but Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon and who else? Who, who knows who else they're going to pick up? So I definitely want to see them versus the Orioles next year. They do play the Nats, but it's in Anaheim. So I won't get to see that most likely. All right. Now, speaking of the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence got beat up against the Saints. But, you know, I got to keep it fair. This is this is just the preseason. That's that's been my that's been my motto. It's only preseason. I've been consistent with that. So it looks like he's going to be running for his life. It that's what it looks like. But I'm going to hold out hope that the Jaguars will get back in the lab and figure things out so he won't get killed during the regular season. Because if they play like they did against the Saints, now, okay, the Saints' D-line is better than average. They're really good. They're definitely top third of the league. So maybe 
a lot of teams would have struggled against that D-line, but especially Jaguars. So I think they'll have time to figure it out. They'll, they'll have time to figure it out, but that wasn't a good look. And then freaking Trevor Lawrence scrambled and got helicoptered. Like three people tackled him and, and made him do a spin and spun his body around. They punished him. I know the defensive players love that, but to his credit, though, he got up and went right back at it. He just got to watch that, man. Nobody want to see him getting hurt. We want to see him do well. We want to see if he's really going to live up to the hype. That's all. Oh, and it really sucks that he lost his mans, Travis Etienne. His college teammate, his college running back, um, he had Liz Frank surgery in his foot. So I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he had foot surgery. He's out for the season. I didn't think it was that serious, but it is. So he's out. I mean, I don't know how much he was going to play anyway because James Robinson was really good last year and he cracked the NFL top 100. So he's legit. So I don't know how many snaps ETM was going to get anyway. But James Robinson definitely solidified himself with Travis ETM out. That sucks for him. It really does. Yeah, just watch out for the Jaguars. I'm going to give them credit. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to sit down and figure it out and get back on the practice field and find a way to protect Trevor Lawrence. I hope so, or it's going to be a long season. And they're going to ha- and they're going to be back in the top five. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. Um, if it's anything like the official Madden season simulation, no, there's no way. That, that was too much. The Madden official Madden simulation had the Jaguars 11-6 and in, in the playoffs with Urban Meyer coach of the year. That's very ambitious. I don't think they're going to be like that. Maybe they'll win five, six games. But I don't think they're going to be awful. I think they'll they'll figure things out. I wonder if they're going to get DJ Shark back. That That's important. For real. Now, so with the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater starting? I expected Drew Locke. I did. I expected Drew Locke. A lot of people did. He's younger, got the big arm, and Teddy Bridgewater was average to below average in Carolina. So we all expected Drew Locke to start, but I guess not. I did hear on the radio that Teddy Bridgewater had a better game than Drew Locke, but recently. But I was thinking... Oh, I mean, they're going back and forth. They're still trying to decide who's going to be the quarterback. But I guess they saw enough. I guess they saw enough on tape to say, eh, I think we've seen enough. I think we've seen enough. Teddy Bridgewater is a star. They got a lot of weapons. They got a lot of young weapons. Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, KJ Hamler. They got a squad over there. They got a little, they got some weapons. I mean, some, a little bit. And at running back, they still got Melvin Gordon. So, I don't know. They're sneaky, but they're in a really tough division. The Chargers got a rising star quarterback. They got an underrated defense. Don't forget, they got Joey Bosa. And they got my man K-9, Kenneth Murray. And they got got Derwin James. 
They even got uh, Chris Harris. Like, it's a very underrated beat. So, that team's nice. The Raiders got Derek Carr. You saw what you saw what the Raiders could do at the beginning of the season. First half of the season, they look like a solid playoff team. If they can play like that next season, this season, they're going to be tough to deal with. And we all know the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. So it's going to be tough for the Broncos, but they got a sneaky good roster, though. And you know the pass rush, if I'm not mistaken, they got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. I think they got both of them back. So that's always something you got to deal with. So, hey, that's it's going to be vicious for sure. Uh, that, that, that division is loaded. Is loaded. They might mess around and get, mm, I don't know, I don't want to say that. I was going to say they're going to get all four teams in the playoffs, but nah, let's not get too hyped because the AFC North got the Browns, the Bengals. Nah, maybe the Bengals are about two years away. But they got the Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers. They're all solid teams. So it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all to get them wild card spots. All right. Uh, Malachi Singleton. So I watched Milton versus North Cobb. And this guy, Malachi Singleton, he's a 2023 quarterback. He's a junior. So he, he's kind of, he's, he's built bigger than most quarterbacks. Like he, he got some muscle on him. He got some, some thickness on him. Pause, pause. Kind of remind me of a smaller Cam Newton and kind of, Kind of Logan Thomas before he became a tight end. So he, he kind of a Cam Newton, Logan Thomas. This man had 27 carries, I, I believe. 200 plus yards. Five touchdowns. I'm not even kidding. He was 11 for 17, 80 yards passing. But had over 200 yards rushing and five touchdowns against Milton. And... The best player on Milton's defense, defensive tackle, Labius Overton, who is crystal ball to OU, if we get him, oh, oh, he's going to be the most hyped defensive line recruit since Tommy Harris. And you saw how that worked out. That worked out great. So, or uh, maybe, maybe not Tommy Harris. Maybe so. <laughs> he could be, he could be Tommy Harris. So he didn't play. I don't think it would have mattered. Okay, maybe it would have mattered a little bit, but they dominated them. It didn't look like North Cobb really had to pass the ball. They won like 41 to 20. They didn't really have to pass the ball. They just dominated them up front. But it just also helped. It just really helped that they didn't have the number one recruit in the country, the number one junior in the country who's a D lineman. They didn't have him, so... That probably got them an extra 50 to 100 yards. But, man, what a performance by Malachi Singleton. He didn't have to pass the ball. Like, he was destroying them on the ground. It seemed like he was getting 10, 15 yards a pop. Man, I'm glad I stumbled upon that game because that was what a performance. Oh, I don't think OU is recruiting him. I mean, I get it. 
because we usually go after the top five quarterbacks, I believe. We probably got someone else waiting in the wings. I guess this would be after Caleb Williams. I'm pretty sure we got somebody else because we ain't recruiting him. Like People like UCF is looking at him. But you, but you look at it, though. I was going to say he's mostly a runner, so he would be better. Like, Georgia Tech is recruiting him. He'd be great for Georgia Tech. He'd be perfect for Georgia Tech. But for our system, I was going to say he isn't right for our system. But we just had Jalen Hurts. He would be like Jalen Hurts. That's how that would work in our system. But I don't think we're recruiting him. I don't think he's going to come to OU anyway. Georgia's recruiting him. I think he's going to end up choosing between Georgia, Georgia Tech, and UCF. And I can't wait to watch him in college because he's he's kind of like Cam Newton, just a little shorter and a little thicker. Pause. So, okay, two more things before the hypothetical game of the episode. The MLS All-Star game. The MLS All-Star game was fire. Very competitive. I should have known the game was going to be lit when they had the skill challenges, and those were competitive. They did the crossbar challenge when you got to, like, do, like, penalty click kick type or penalty kick types or free kick type of maneuvers to hit the crossbar. And it looked, it was hard. Those professionals, they had a tough time hitting that crossbar. It looked like that was going to go on forever. But uh, the Liga MX, see, this year it was MLS versus Liga, Liga MX, which is the Mexican version of MLS. That's the uh, Premier League in Mexico. So it was them versus us. It's Mexico versus U.S. Uh, Premier Leagues. And boy, it was competitive. They had some uh, other type skill competitions that just went back and forth. I think the Mexican League, they won the skills competition. And their fans were talking a little crap on on Twitter. And then we came out in the All-Star game. And MLS pulled it out. They were down one nothing most of the game. Then they they snuck one in, and then, you know, we were deadlocked in extras. And then we got them by one in the shootout. We won. We got our bragging rights. And then you know the Liga MX fans was like, MLS is still a poverty league. Y'all haven't won that many CONCACAF titles because all these teams are in CONCACAF. So uh, I can't even really explain that league right now off the top of my head. But basically, it's full of uh, like Mexican, U.S., other Central America teams in CONCACAF. And... um, yeah, there's a Champions League like like UEFA Champions League. UEFA has theirs. That's in Europe, and that's huge. That's huge. That's like NFL huge. But CONCACAF is like a smaller version of that with teams that clearly aren't as good as the Real Madrid's and the Barcelona's and the Juventus. Um. Bayern, uh, Bayern Munich, 
Like, those teams in CONCACAF aren't as good. And usually a Liga MX team, a Mexican League team, wins CONCACAF. The MLS team, it might be one MLS team that does good. But for the most part, I'm not going to lie, Liga MX got CONCACAF on lock. But it was still good to win this All-Star game because usually the MLS plays the MLS play some like European team for the All-Star game. So instead of putting the All-Stars against each other, they'll play some foreign team. I love that format. I wish we could do that in other leagues, but we can't. It's hard to do in basketball because we got the best players. It's hard to do in NFL because there's no league around the world like the NFL. It's hard to do in baseball because we got the best players once again. Soccer, that's it's pretty easy to do because it's you know it's definitely tougher competition in Mexico and Europe. In Europe, so I, I like that. I like you know putting our all stars from our country against good teams from other countries like Mexico and England and France or Spain. I love it. Who do we got next year? I say we go against Liga MX again. I would, that was intense and competitive and fun. We need to run that back. And I'm sure Liga MX would love to do that too. The game was in LA. That would have been great to go to. But I didn't think much about it. I wasn't really checking for the MLS All-Star game. And it ended up being a great surprise. We need to run that back next year. Hopefully in D.C. so I can go. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. What do we got next? One last thing. Rachel Nichols. Rachel Nichols is gone from ESPN. The show is canceled. No, 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 no. No organs. No organs. No organs. It's kind of sad. The jump got canceled. But I think we were heading towards that way. A lot of people aren't messing with Rachel right now because of, you know, what she said about Maria Taylor on the low. That kind of, that kind of messed up her image. And probably made her ratings on the jump take a hit. I wasn't really watching it anyway because I'd rather watch Speak for Yourself, even though props to her with the jumps, but the jump. She brings a lot of, like, high-profile basketball players on there. She done had Kareem on there. She done had Scottie Pippen on there several times. I think Scottie Pippen was a regular host on the show. Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter. She brought all the top basketball players through that show. I think even LeBron was on there. Like, she is really well-connected in the NBA circles. And I give her props for that. The show the show wasn't bad. The show was all right. Richard Jefferson was hilarious. He definitely was a great supporting cast member of that show. But, you know, it's gone. And it had a good run. But it's just tough. It's really tough after, you know, what just happened. And Rachel Nichols had a year on her contract. Damn. I mean, I guess the viewers spoke and the sponsors spoke. And I guess she just wasn't 
good for ESPN anymore, even though she's really good with, at what she does and she has connections. It just, it was her time was up. It's just a shame. She'll be somewhere else, though. I mean, you can't, you can't not, like, leave someone that talented on the bench in free agency forever. She's going to get picked up by somebody, whether that be, oh, no, I don't think NBC is going to touch that. They don't want that type of drama. Um, You can see her at Fox Sports maybe, or maybe she'll go to TNT. I think she was at TNT. Yeah, she was at TNT at one time. Maybe she'll go back there and do basketball there. That's the next best thing if you want to stay in basketball, TNT, because they're – their uh, studio crew, you know, with Kenny, Ernie, Shaq, and Charles, they just went in awards left and right. Why not? <laughs> and, you know, people watch a lot of them games on Tuesday and Thursday night, too. You know, if she if she just a sideline reporter, that, that would be fine, too. You know, she could sideline report for a lot of them Lakers games. But I don't know. I don't know how that would be received. Some people will never let what she go, what she said go. They just won't because it's just that bad. It's just I'm not going to revisit it. I, I talked about it in one of my earlier episodes. I want to say I talked about it after the 100 episode. It might have been before, but I've discussed it before. I understand why people would be upset, <laughs> especially looking at the history of uh you know, black people in the workplace. Anyway, you already know what it's time for. <laughs> the hypothetical game of the episode. I, 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 this hypothetical game of the episode is between the Marlins of 2017. Back when I had my partial season tickets, back when this team was threatening the Nationals for the NL East Division crown, uh, this team was loaded. This team had D. Gordon, Christian Yelich, Giancarlo Stanton, who I think won MVP. It seemed like in August and September, it seemed like Giancarlo Stanton hit a home run like every other game. Like, he was destroying. Oh, my God. St. Francis Academy about to score again. Oh, no, no, no. Anyway, <laughs> back to the game. Back to the game. Marcel Ozuna, they had him. He's pretty good. Well, he's kind of in trouble with the league because of domestic violence. G- uh, JT Real Muto, one of the best catchers in the league. Derek Dietrich was decent. Justin Bohr had a pretty good season. I think he was in the home run derby too. Like that team wasn't bad. That team that team wasn't bad at all. But on the Mariners side, this Mariners team was known for they won 116 games. It's hard to win 100 games. This team in 2001, the 2001 Sierra Mariners, they won 116 games. They were 116 and 46, but they flamed out and they lost in the semifinals or what is it called? 
basically the conference championship, the round before the World Series. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They lost to the Yankees. Shocker. But they won so many games and just flamed out. That's crazy. Like, they won a historic amount of games. This this squad had a, a rookie Ichiro who was who just took the league by storm and was basically had that Shohei Otani type of hype. I, re, I remember that. They had John Olerud, Brett Boone, who's pretty good, Mike Cameron. Uh, who else? Carlos Guillen. They had a squad. They had a nice squad. But definitely, oh, Edgar Martinez. Yeah, Edgar Martinez is pretty good. But yeah, uh, definitely the main player there is uh, Ichiro Suzuki. Uh, he was real nice. All right, now let's let's get into it. Here we go. All right, so the Mariners first inning. Brett Boone gets a single in the first inning, but no one else did anything. Ichiro grounded out to start off the game. The Miami Marlins though. Miami Marlins come back in the first inning and put three on the board. The Miami Marlins put three on the board after Marcelo Zuna crushes a three-run home run to the left field. He killed it. And this was after Giancarlo Stanton was walked and Christian Yelich hit a single. So that, that is a crazy lineup to begin with. D. Gordon, Christian Yelich. Giancarlo Stanton, Marcelo Zuna, that is insane. Then Bohr and Real Muto after that, this team, that team should have won more games. They just, they needed some pitching. But nevertheless, Marcelo Zuna, three-run home run. It is 3-0, 2017 Marlins. Uh, Seattle Mariners, 1-2-3, fly out, fly out, strike out. Boom. So still 3-0 Marlins. Miguel Rojas got walked. Dietrich ground out. Uh, Strawley, the pitcher, bunt. He's out. And then D. Gordon, they're back at the top of the lineup. He lines out. 3-0. Still 3-0 Marlins. So now, this is where things get going. Freddie Garcia, single. Uh, Rojas couldn't get a ground ball from Ichiro Suzuki. He gets on base. It's two on base. Olaru flies out. Miguel Rojas, another error. Another error. And this helps uh, Garcia score. And then Mike Cameron with an RBI sacrifice line out. And Ichiro scored. So basically uh, a sacrifice and an error gets the Mariners on the board. So they had the bases loaded. But Wilson grounded out. Dan Wilson grounded out. That's the catcher for the Mariners. So back to the Marlins. Christian Yellow strikes out. But then my man, 50 grand. Giancarlo Stanton. Solo home run, the right field. And this one was deep, over 400 feet. He killed it. He killed that ball. So it's now 4-2 Miami Marlins. Azunia grounded out. Bohr flied out and Rhea Muto was out. So at the end of three, it is four two Miami Marlins. So nothing going for the Mariners in the fourth inning. Then nothing going for the Marlins in the fourth inning as well. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Brett Boone got a single in the fifth. But Mike Cameron and Macklemore were out. One struck out and the other one grounded out for a double play. So there you go. Still 4-2 Miami Marlins. So back to the top of the lineup. The murderer's row of hitters. But credit to the Mariners. They did their thing. They did their thing. And... Okay. They did their thing. And Christian Yelich did get a single. You know he had to get a hit. He's always getting them singles and doubles. He got a hit, but D. Gordon grounded out. Stanton struck out swinging. And Marcelo Zunia grounded out for a double play. There you go. So now we're in the sixth inning. 4-2, 2017 Marlins. So... Carlos Guillen with a single. Freddy Garcia with a ground rule double. Ichiro Suzuki with his first hit of the game. I think it was his only hit of the game. Single up the middle to single to uh, center field. And he brung in two runs with that hit and it's now 4-4. Now things have gotten real. Top of the six. 4-4. And then they didn't do anything else after that. Miami Marlins, they didn't do anything else after that. They had uh, Rio Muto hit a single, actually. But that's it. They grounded out into another double play. So here we go. Here we go. Uh, Mariners, 2001 Mariners, Mike Cameron, ground ball single. And then he's still second base. Macklemore with a ground ball single that brings in Mike Cameron. And there you go. 5-4, 2001 Mariners. They didn't do much after that. They left runner stranded on first and third. Uh, let's see. Marlins bring in a pinch hitter, Anderson. Brian Anderson, and he does nothing. He flies out. So then back to the top of the lineup. Gordon grounds out. Yelich pops out. And now we got the 2001 Mariners back at it. Here we go. Uh, back to their top of the lineup. Ichiro struck out. But that was before Edgar Martinez drew the walk. That was their pinch hitter. So they didn't do anything after that. So still 5-4. Miami Marlins back up. Giancarlo Stanton hit one deep. But it was caught. So he's out. Uh, Azunia, strike three. Bohr didn't do anything. So now we're top of the ninth. Bell singles, Wilson singles uh, with, with two outs. They had two on base, but Carlos Guillen flies out. So now it's bottom of the ninth. What can the 2017 Miami Marlins do? Sasaki comes in for the Mariners to close it out. Here we go. JT Real Muto out. He grounds out to the to the shortstop. Then Derek Dietrich hits a shallow fly out to center field. Two outs. Now it's up to Miguel Rojas. And he flies out to the left fielder. And the 2001 Seattle Mariners wins the hypothetical game of the episode. Five to four. 
Shout out to Freddy Garcia, player of the game, pitched seven innings. He pitched seven innings, had five strikeouts. He gave up four runs, but he had five strikeouts. He did pretty well. He's player of the game. He got the win, and the loss goes to Kyle Bearclaw. <laughs> he got an interesting name. I remember him. He he had one of the most interesting names in baseball. Uh, Stanton got his. Stanton had a home run. Suzuki had a RBI, a big RBI. It was a game changer. Uh, Mike Cameron had an RBI. You know, Yelich, Yelich was two for four, so he did his thing. So, you know, the stars came out pretty much. Stars came out pretty much, but the 2001 Mariners edge it. And that's it, man. That's the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. And you already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.